This is Comic Picks by the Glick, and here's your host, Jason Glick. Yes, here I am. And as promised, here I am this week with my review of 100 Bullets. Because this series has been going on for like over eight years at, DC, at DC's Vertigo imprint, and the final volume recently came out a couple weeks back, Wilt. And this is one of this is one of their um, legendary series, one of the series that helped that helped make their name. Well, not really helped make their name, but it's one of their most most acclaimed series over the past several years. Like sell, sells very well in trade paperback, sold sells over ten thousand copies in single issue form, which is an impressive feat for any Vertigo series these days. But it's it's one of those series that, that when you talk about Vertigo, like we're, we're doing the retrospective for Vertigo in like 10, 20 years now. It's like uh, Wonder Bullets is going to be one of the series that comes up as one of their one of their crown jewels. Mm. Okay, because at its, at its core, when you read the first volume. The series has a, like a deceptively simple premise. You got this guy, Agent Graves, going around talking to people, like offering them this this suitcase with proof of the people, who, with proof showing like, with um, going to people showing proof of uh, how they were wronged, but and then like giving them this this briefcase with, with evidence and and a, and and wonder bullets plus a gun with untraceable ammunition. With untraceable ammunition, like basically allowed them to get away with murder to kill a person who who wronged them before. Now, that's a solid premise. I mean, you can just—I mean, it's—it's it's a great—it's a great formula set up. You can do just, just about anything with it. You can just like it's—you just like have have your story of the week showing that the guy who was guy who was wronged at one point. Then you should have Agent Graves show up and then give him the suitcase with with the hundred bullets on traceable ammunition and the gun, and just have him get, enact his vengeance in there. But it's never that simple because you because it's never about just because like. The straight road to vengeance isn't always straight. It's not always about like, oh, this person wronged me. I gotta go shoot him. Bang, he's dead. You know, there's always something more going on um, at this point, and it's like, it, and that's a, that's a great thing about Wonder Bullets. Is like, at the be- even at the very beginning, um, they real like as a writer, Brian Ezra realizes that hey, we've got to actually like, show more what's go- more than what's going on here. Like, like, like the first character, um, Dizzy, um, Isabella Cordova, also known as Dizzy. Um, basically, um, is approached by Agent Graves after she's paroled from prison, and he's told her like he tells her, "Okay, this is these are the cops who are responsible for killing your husband and your kid. What are you going to do about it?" And she's smart enough to know that you know that just going up and killing these guys—that's not it. You have to find out what's going on. What's this real story behind this behind this thing? And she also finds out that hey, it turns out one of her oldest friends was also involved in this in this killing as well, and it's. And that's, it's that kind of death that, like, that that's a hallmark of the series. That, it's, that um, the road to vengeance is never as clear and clear cut as you, as it would seem. But keep it, but even if that was it, but even if that was it, and just showing that there's a twist to each um, turn of vengeance in as Agent Grey shows up and gives you this gives you the suitcase. That's not it. That's not enough to um, to produce like a long a long running series. Like, I mean, like, even if this was a TV, you need something more. And that's where the matter of the trust in the Minutemen come in. Because, as it turns out, Agent Graves was the, was the head of the Minutemen, uh, an elite security organization for this organization known as the Trust. There are thirteen families who have basically been running America from behind the scenes, ever since people, ever since um, quote unquote civilized people showed up on the North American continent. And but several years ago, the uh, the Trust um, the Trust decided the Minutemen weren't weren't necessary anymore, and they basically um killed made their moves to kill off Agent Graves and the rest of his Minutemen. But, as, as, I've, as what I've said has stated, Agent Graves isn't dead, and neither are his Minutemen. In fact, 
a lot of the first first part of the story basically um, involves the react involves Agent Graves reactivating a select few of his Minutemen in order to in order to achieve his goals because he's got he's got a plan. He wants something from the trust. What what it is isn't exactly clear, but it also gets more complicated when it turns out that you know he's also in bed with select with with one of the head members of the trust as well. And then you get you get all the you get the characters. You get, you get um, Cole Burns, who is his right hand, right hand man, the kind of guy he needs to count on. You get um, Lano, who is the one guy who wasn't um, who didn't have his memory, memory wiped and sent and like I'm sent to like just you know just be cool after after this um, bad business in Atlantic City because Atlantic City is where all the bad shit that went down with between um, Graves and the Trust um, happened. And like Lano. Oh, I gotta take a minute to talk about Lano because Lano's a scary motherfucking dude. I mean, he's the kind of guy who, like, he's just, like, like, he's the kind of guy like, he, you piss him off, he'll just, like, like, you do that, and he'll just spend the next, next couple of issues, like, raping your girlfriend and then just snapping your neck as soon as he gets the chance. I mean, like, anything he does is, like, he, it's like, you, you're just not gonna, you're just gonna think it's, like, the worst thing, worst thing ever. I mean, he'll just, like, he'll kill you, he'll snap, like, he'll kill you, he'll rape your girl. It's like he'll just like go and start killing your friends. It's like scary, just like really, really creepy, creepy, scary stuff. And the fact that he later in the series, as he's actually offered a position in the trust in order to um fight to help combat Graves, because Graves tries to kill him early on in the series, and that basically sets Lano against him for the rest of the rest of the series. And it's great fucking stuff to see him trying to um take out Graves, but failing because Lano is all about the the direct stuff. I mean, he's he will just like. Just going to beat the shit out of you, as opposed to just like, you know, like planning, um, or proper way to, to beat beat the crap out of you. It's like I mean, and planning is always going to beat um like the direct stuff every time. So it's sad seeing what happens to Lano, but even then, what happens to him in the end? You don't see what happens to the body. So he might still be alive. Anyway, but 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 the thing is, but the overall thrust about one hundred bullets. I mean, it's it's hard to get a grip on what what the series is. It's about overall because it's just basically um, yeah, like Azrael offering up. It's like talking up these stories. You know, like some of them have um, are just like no, like just decent one shots. I mean, like, to his credit, he offers up a story, a straight ass story of him, of a person who gets the gets the suitcase, then goes and kills, like, like shoots all wonder bullets into the um, into her husband because he was abusing her daughter all this time. Mm. And uh, that's that's the kind of straightforward thing you expect from this series. But then. He also to get um, other, like other stories, like about the time he gives the um, he gives one guy a suitcase, but it has the guy's picture inside, saying basically you're responsible for fucking up your own life. What are you gonna do about it? The just interesting twists like that. But overall, as it goes on, like once it gets to um, volume four, the foreground tomorrow, like you start getting you start in, being introduced to the trust and finding out okay, this is the thrust of the series from here on out. It's basically like um, Graves and his and what what remains of his midman. Like working against the trust, or just yeah, you know, and then you find out later on that Graves is in bed with the trust, and not not the trust, basically in bed with members of the trust in order to get what he wants. But overall, it's like the story. You know, it's like well, as the thing about Azarello is that he, um, when he's when he writes, it's not always about telling you exactly what's going on. He always writes about t- writes stories telling you, giving you just enough information, to tell you what's going on just below the surface. So you read his stuff, and you realize, okay, this is what's going on, but this is what's actually going on. This is like the subtle the subtext, what's going on, what's going on below, what's all the surface events of the, st- the story. 
and when he's and like more than any other thing he's written, Wonder Bullets um pulls that pulls that stuff off extremely well. I mean, you read this stuff and you realize, okay, I see what's going on here, but this is what's actually going on between all the characters, and that's interesting. That's fascinating stuff. And and Azrael, true to form, keeps keeps that up even. You know, he offers up an introduction to the final volume of Wonder Bullets, basically saying, no, I'm not going to tell you what the series is about overall, because, you know, I don't roll like that. But he actually does give you an, like a crucial clue, saying, basically, this is about, the series is about America. This is about, about America, it's about fathers, about brothers, about all, pe- all these people in their relationships working together, and how and how they relate to each other. I mean, that's, that's a crucial clue as well, because cause the Minutemen, I mean, like, Minutemen and the Trust... Um, go way back to the um, to the basically when um, when non when white people started taking over America back in the day. I mean, the, like you get to find out like what what happened with the um, Jamestown colony, like why they disappeared, and why the word Croatoan was written on the was carved on one of the posts there. It's a great great explanation. It shows you, and it's like even if it's probably not true, but hey, it's like it's a good. But for the purpose of the story, it's it's a great explanation. And it's basically showing you, like, what happens when, like, you know, like, the, uh, when the older, older generation, when they've, they've done their thing, they've made their mark, and, like, what are they going to do? How are they going to step aside in order to let the younger generation rule? Now, my main complaint about the series, at the end, I mean, it wraps up very well. I mean, like, on one hand, it, you, if you're really clever enough, you can see what's going on at the very end. But, you know, with the end, though, it makes you real, want to see... You know what happened? What would happen if, like, you know, like the older generation was actually clever enough to retain its power over the younger generation? You know, not get destroyed in the process. Because it's because you see this and you realize like the story couldn't have ended any other way. But as it is, it's kind of it. It is so kind of predictable. And like, yeah, the ending is kind of an uh, spoiler warning. I mean, it's it's an everyone dies ending. Well, mm-hmm. most most everyone dies because you know, there are some people who realize like, you know what? Like, I'm killing. I kill people. That's not going to get you anywhere. So we just got to like, we just got to call call a timeout and just say, you know, we're going to just get, get the fuck away from this. Just call, just just end it and walk away. All people who don't, you know, they wind up dying. But still, I mean, it's series is, is excellent overall. I mean, the first store, first half, like issues one through fifty, basically the set, are basically like a long form version of the setup. I mean, you get you get your just Agent Graves, introduced Dizzy, and then you get meet up with the rest of them who are going to be the Minutemen later on. And then, but then, like, the second half basically shows you, like, eight, like, Graves and the Trust working together, what their plans are, and, like, how it's going to play out in the end. And, like I said, it's a series that requires, like, a lot of like, a lot of attention. I mean, it's like, if you're not going to, if you're not willing to look beyond, beyond the obvious, what's given to you from the very beginning, then you're not you're not going to get a lot out of the series. Okay. That being said, like I said, it's overall highly recommended. Go and buy all 12 volumes of it. It's like it's, no, my bad, 13 volumes. Unlucky volume 13, because that's, that's kind of um, bad shit the series rolls in. But um, Azarello is like writing his breakthrough Um Eduardo Russo, um, the artist, guy's a, guy's a fantastic artist in terms of just like, like drawing up all these characters, showing you like all, like showing emotion, showing action, and detailing all the violence that, that, Violence and um, sleeve these characters live in. I mean, it's fantastic stuff from from volumes one to thirteen. The guy rocks the house from beginning to end. I mean, I, I I've never heard of this series or looked at it, but 
as I'm skimming through it, like the story seems really gritty and really realistic. Yeah. And Eduardo Riso, like his his artistic style is just like I wouldn't say it's like old school, but I mean it kind of has like that that old comic book kind of style with like hard mm-hmm. shadows and yeah and uh, just vibrant like facial expressions as I'm skimming through, and I'm like, wow, this is like, this actually looks like something I would like. Yeah, I mean, it's like he's he's great. Like one thing about art from DC Vertigo series, like it's not really about the detail; it's about the expression, like showing yeah. you like the emotion and character that's going on in the various series. But hey, Myron, for a second, I want you to look. You're looking at volume one right there. Right. I want you to look at volume thirteen right here. I mean, like, you're not going to see any the story, but I want you to look if you see anything different about that. You can volume one and thirteen right there. Oh yeah, this. Oh wow, this one's like way more detailed. Okay, because like you look at volume thirteen right there, and you just, I want to point out what I think what's um, appealing to you is that it's the color. Yeah, I can I can see the transition of his artwork. Like not only is it the color, but it's like his lines are way more defined in his his characters. Yeah, that's true. Like, too. That's true too. But the thing is, on the first two volumes were done by um by one one colorist, Grant Golish, and like well, I'll admit that like what he what he does in the first two volumes is exactly what you expect like a hard boiled crime series to look like. Like like gritty, gritty dark, muted colors, like someone wiped their ass with the uh, with the color with, with the um with the papers going on there. But then mm-hmm. in volume three, they switched to a different colorist, um Patricia Molehill. And she really um brought out like brought out the colors in the series. Because like, I mean this is this is something you wouldn't expect like a hard boiled crime series to look like. I mean like vibrant like um, bright colors. I mean to the point where like like you bright, you, you lighten the colors, but like in, in the same time you're also um, deepening the shadows as well. So like it looks looks much brighter, like on some levels more friendly, even at least. But then you look at, but then the contrast is still there. I mean, like you look, it's it's a much brighter world, but that's just making like that. Well, the brights look brighter, the darks look darker as well, and that that adds immensely to the series overall charm. And like it's one of the probably, probably the only time I've actually read a series where a, where a colorist has really made that much impact. On the overall feel of, this, of the series as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking, I'm looking through and like, yeah, compared to the first volume to this one, mm-hmm. it just like artistically, it just looks like more vibrant and more. I mean, I'm not saying I wasn't paying attention to the other one. Yeah, but this one just looks more like you know. I guess you'd say it looks more up to date. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's like I said, it's the difference between. Between like what you expect the series to look like, and then just like uh, transcending your expectations yeah. for this kind of thing, and, like, and that's like I said, it's 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 a it's beautiful work by by both um by Riso primarily. I mean, if you had taken out the color, it still would have looked great. But just like the addition of color, especially Patricia Mulvihill's color, like it's beautiful, great stuff, and it's and like as with a lot of other stuff, I can't I can't shut about shut up about in this podcast. It's another. It's just one reason why you should just go ahead and check this series out because it's it's first class from beginning to end, and oh yeah, the other thing about the series is that thank, thankfully now that it's done, it's like you can just go and read volumes one through thirteen all at once because this is a series that it's it, you you start reading it and you notice like oh there's stuff that happened in volume one that affects what happens in volume four and like further on as well. I mean it's it's heavily serialized, so like, you start reading it all at once. And you'll notice, like stuff that he called, like Azrael, like refers back to stuff that's happened in previous volumes on a regular basis. But that just mm-hmm. adds to, adds to the fun. It's like you, so as you, like, the more you pay attention to the series, 
the more you're rewarded for it. Right. Yeah. So overall, it's like, yeah, it's like I'm a broken record here, but hey, it's like it's a high, it's great, great stuff. So go ahead and order all the volumes right now from your local comic shop is or Amazon.com. Is it is it just uh, thirteen volumes, one through thirteen? Just yeah, thirteen volumes. Like the one you hold in your hands right now, Wilt is the last one. Okay. Yeah, and personally, it's like I think it's a good ending, but um, I would like to see at some point, you know, an epilogue. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think if. I've heard Azrael say he might want to. He was having trouble letting go of his characters at the very end, so like I just kind of like to see just like an epilogue, just to see how the fallout from how how things turned out in the final volume. But yeah. I, I'm gonna hold my breath on that one because I don't think it's coming anytime soon. And plus, I know Azrael's got like other projects he's busy with as well. Yeah, because this comic looks like it, it's like a raw, like kind of like that raw gritty gangster. Oh yeah. Um, um, Storyline. So like, if you're like into movies like Scarface or. <laughs> Or uh, Goodfellas, or any of those type of movies. Like this looks like, or even like, from like from even the first volume, it kind of reminded me of uh, Menace to Society, like with the that chicken jail. Yeah. Like I, this is something I like want to like check out and read myself. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a very good, it's a very comparison right there, Myron. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but like so, that's like awesome. yeah, so like I said, it's like hey, go out, buy the series, enjoy it. As like and then like I, yeah. Mm. Okay, yeah. But hey, on that note, we're gonna call a night. We'll see you in two weeks from now, or so. See you later. <laughs>